Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to donate to save babies now. And now here are your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Back with another week of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with all of the guys, John and Roger and Neil and myself, Bob. Guys, how are you? Great. Doing good, great, Bob. Bob. How are you? I'm doing very lovely. Thank you. So we're getting closer and closer to the uh, midterm elections. And there's a lot that we're going to be talking about regarding the midterm elections. Uh, we're going to discuss the issues such as Christians and how Christians should vote. And let's be blunt, should Christians vote Democrat? Is there any excuse for that? And how seriously should we take take it when Christians do vote Democrat? What about pastors in the pulpit? How much should they be getting involved in political issues from the pulpit? So what kind of stuff should they say, not say? And then we'll also talk about some of the important issues and what Republicans should focus on uh, if they want to successfully take back control of the House and Senate. Uh, and so there's a lot of different things to discuss. But first, I'm just kind of curious, uh, guys, I think we're all in agreement. We would like to see the Republicans take back control of the House and the Senate. It does appear that they'll take back control of the House. Uh, some latest polling seems to show Republicans having momentum and possibly taking over the Senate as well, which I think would be fantastic. Everybody's going to have to watch, certainly, to see what happens in places like Georgia uh, in places like uh, Pennsylvania with Mehmet Oz versus John Fetterman. Uh, and it's liable to come down to those two races to determine. But I'm just kind of curious how everybody's looking at this so far. Are you optimistic, pessimistic? I mean, John, what's your take so far? Do you have any kind of sense of whether this is going to be a red wave, whether it's going to be a red trickle, whether it's just going to be a huge disappointment for Republicans? What are you thinking? No, 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 not a disappointment. I don't know about a, a wave. I always hate that terminology. Do I sure. feel like we'll win enough seats, to your point, to win the House? Definitely. I think that one's pretty much in the bag. Even the Democrats know that. And there's been articles lately, by the way, where the Democrats have talked about how they've really sort of lost momentum. I think they had a lot of things going in their way, you know, going their way early, Roe v. Wade and so on. But, of course, that's been shot down by moves the White House has made when it comes to, you know, energy prices and inflation and just some of the policies that are coming out really has taken the focus off of some of the things that they probably could have won on and had some momentum on. That's gone now. And, and yeah, the, 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 the Republicans, the conservatives continue to just pick up momentum literally day after day after day. I, I think the House is pretty much, you know, I should say things are in the bag, Bob, but I think it's pretty much a, a done deal at this point. And frankly, I think that the Senate is in, in play. And I think the Democrats know that. That's part of their problem and part of why you're seeing some of the tactics that we're looking at right now. And I know we're going to talk about this today, but it's also why Christians especially need to come out this year, vote, and vote with the R next to the name, no matter what you feel about that person. Right. Uh, Roger, what's your take? And by the way, I'm curious, Roger, do you think, we've talked about this before, I think we all agree if Republicans do get control of the House and or Senate, that they need to launch some investigative hearings of their own, not for the purpose of revenge, but they need to get to the bottom 
of things like the weaponizing of the Department of Justice and going after pro-lifers and the two-tiered justice system, and maybe even a little bit of, hey, let's get into the Hunter Biden corruption thing. And while we're at it, let's get into the Russia collusion hoax thing. And uh, But do you think they will? Will Republicans have a backbone and actually go after cleaning up this corruption? Or do you think they'll feel like, well, let's just play nice and move forward because we're afraid of the media? I think it depends on who gets elected, quite frankly, because there's a lot of old guard GOP leadership right now that is saying, hey, isn't this great? We spent 50 years trying to overturn Roe versus Wade, but let's get Lindsey Graham to propose a federal law that would actually legalize it. I mean, what, what a <laughs> stupid thing to think. I mean, it just, I it's just—it's absolutely total. Guys, no, you don't have to negotiate with anyone on this one. Okay, You really honestly don't. You won, and, and your side won, and so why are you trying to negotiate? But that's kind of the way the GOP has operated for the past several sessions of Congress, especially when it comes to the Senate. It's like, there's not a problem? Well, let's go find a compromise. Well, no one's challenging you on this. I mean, it really doesn't, I mean, if, if Herschel Walker wins his race, you know, if Marco Rubio gets re-election, I mean, you know, there are certain seats that are kind of, I think there's like 10 of them in the Senate that could actually, you know, flip one way or the other. But there, there I was having a conversation with Jack Hibbs of uh, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, who right. in Southern California, where, you know, he's kind of a national presence now on helping to stop Proposition 1 that we talked about last week. And he, he shared with me on the air, he says, look, I'm a registered Republican, but I'm embarrassed by the Republican Party. I mean, the, the way that they just kind of roll over and, and, right. and give up stuff that they don't have to give. And so uh, to John's point, yes, we should be voting conservatives. We should be voting, you know, our conscience. And there was a new New York Times poll that came out earlier this week about abortion, for example, that said Democrats used to think they had the independent vote in the bag when it came to things like immigration and the economy and when it comes to uh, uh, the, the abortion rights, reproductive health. But now there's been like a 32-point swing in terms of people who ordinarily would have voted Democrat on the independent side. We're now saying, I'm voting Republican. These guys make a lot more sense. The Democrats are completely out to lunch. It's the economy. It's inflation. Those are the biggest issues. But don't forget the whole side order of abortion thing as we talked about last week. I mean, nearly 80% of Americans don't want abortion legalized in the third trimester. And the Democrats are fundraising off of that, saying, we'll protect your right to do that. So I, I think, to John's point, cautiously optimistic, the House should go Republican. But in terms of the Senate, it really it depends on who's still there. I mean, just because you can have a majority of potential majority of Republican leadership there doesn't necessarily mean we're going to see what we are hoping to see in terms of investigations and things of that nature that need to happen, not for revenge, but just because of due right. process law. Right. What about you, Neil? I mean, are you feeling good about where the midterms, how the midterms are going to play out? And how do you feel about the Republicans? If the, if the dog does catch this car, will they have a backbone and actually go after cleaning up the corruption that we've seen? I think that the Republicans are going to win the day. I, I don't know if it's going to be a red wave I think it could be, and largely because I think the vast majority of the American people are not as radicalized as the progressive left of the Democratic Party. I think that the Democrats somehow think that the vast majority of Americans are in lockstep with them, and I think that's crazy. Um, as to Roger's point, you know, with uh, people not agreeing, 80% of the American population not agreeing with abortion in the last third trimester um why are they running on that issue and apparently on that issue alone i mean what's interesting is i remember back in the day 
uh, people that were favorable to the Democratic agenda saying, why is it that you Republicans only have one issue? You only have abortion. And the only ones talking about it right now are the Democrats thinking this is like the number one issue. That huge swing in independent voters, I think, is largely based on the fact that the vast majority of American people are not as radical as people think. And I don't think that the the, the average woman in America first thinks about freedom in terms of killing her own baby. I just don't think that that sits well with the American people. Hence, yeah. they're concerned about other kinds of issues that they feel are affecting their families. These aren't people who are going to want to have abortions. So they want to know, can I pay my bills? You know, can I feed my family? Can we put gas in the car? Like, those are the things that they're really concerned about. Red wave? No, I don't think so. But on to the other question, there's an old saying, you know, it well, nice guys finish last. And I just, I don't think that the Republicans have the backbone to do what they probably should do if they gain control of the House especially. But, you know, the idea of some kind of congressional investigation into the shenanigans that have been going on, the whole Russia collusion thing. And I think I mentioned this on the last podcast. They should do a national TV, you know, series like they've been doing with the so-called insurrection. Uh, It'll never happen, though. Uh, Republicans tend to play too nice, and they're going to want to be everybody's best friend if they win the House. Yeah, and and that never works. You would think they would learn that, Anytime you try to extend an olive branch across the aisle, the Democrats Never spit on you and smack it out of your hand. So this is, this is politics. This is not the same thing as how we live our lives personally in that, you know, turn the other cheek. Okay, if somebody insults us, somebody forces us to walk a mile, go two miles. But we're not talking about your personal individual life. We're talking about the very real game of politics, okay? In baseball, the game is played where you're allowed to steal second. If you don't, then you're being stupid. And in politics, the way the game is played is you have to go after your political opponents and you have to knock them out before they knock you out. That's how boxing is. That's how that's how it's played. And in politics, Republicans, I just think, haven't learned that. I think you're right, Neil. Uh, so what do we do then with Christians who continually vote Democrat? We're going to talk about that and have a very real and honest discussion on this. And I know we have listeners to this podcast right now that are our brothers and sisters in Christ and still tend to vote Democrats sometimes. And so how should we look at this? We're going to discuss that issue coming up in just a moment. Before we do, though, you hear us talking about abortion all the time. And with Roe v. Wade overturned, we've noticed something. There's a tendency for a lot of Christians to breathe a sigh of relief as though we've got some victory now that Roe v. Wade's overturned. Well, look, it's great that it's overturned, but we got to recognize, folks, this just puts the abortion debate on steroids. The abortion industry is like a kicked hornet's nest, and they're doing everything they can to push abortions right now. And even with Roe v. Wade overturned, it doesn't change the fact that we've got a lot of girls and a lot of women that are still getting pregnant. And a lot of girls and a lot of women are still going to Planned Parenthood and they're being sold an abortion. And those women have never seen an ultrasound image of their baby. They've never seen that. That's where preborn comes in, folks. Preborn partners with pro-life pregnancy centers all across the country and shows women for the first time ever an image of their baby. But it takes money to do this. $28 saves one baby's life, stops one abortion. That's why we're asking you folks right now fund these ultrasounds, $280 will save 10 babies' lives. $280 will stop 10 abortions. Will you right now give $280 to stop 10 abortions to preborn? 
100% of what you give goes directly to fund the ultrasounds, not a penny for overhead. So here's how easy this is. You can go right now online to crawfordmediagroup.net. That's crawfordmediagroup.net. And go ahead and, and click on the pre-born tab. And you can right there take care of this uh, right online. You can also give them a call at 833-850-BABY. They answer the phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just mention the National Crawford Roundtable, if, uh, if you would. But let's do this. Let's save some babies' lives. $280 for 10 babies' lives. Is that worth it? And hey, if you could do more than that, do more than that. Do 2800 for 100 babies' lives. But whatever you can afford. Remember, you have thousands and thousands of women accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior as well through this process. This is what preborn does. So uh, give that money now if you would. Okay, let's stop these abortions. 833-850-BABY. As we continue the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, John Rush, Roger Marsh, Neil Boron, myself, Bob Duco, talking about the midterm elections coming up. And so let's have, guys, the very real and hard discussion about Christians voting Democrat. Now, I, we all have our own respective radio shows that we do, and I know I've been very bold and blunt about this on my show. I tell my listeners, point blank, if you are a brother and sister in Christ, my honest opinion is you have no business voting Democrat. And if you are, I'm calling you to repentance because I don't think we ought to be using our vote in a way that dishonors God and basically fuels the industry of executing unborn babies in this country, fuels the movement of gender confusing our children with drag queens in schools, that perpetuates poverty. These are ungodly, unbiblical principles, and we should not be using our vote in a way that gives power to the politicians who are doing that to our neighbor. And so I think it's wrong for Christians to vote Democrat. It's not a salvation issue. It doesn't mean it's going to keep you out of heaven. It doesn't mean I'm not saying you're not my brother or sister in Christ. But what I am saying is, what business do you have spending your vote that way? In the same way that I would want you to say to me, Bob, what business do you have spending your dollars, your entertainment dollars, going to strip clubs and buying Playboy magazine? You would be right to say to me, Bob, that's not using your money in a way that honors God. And in the same way, I'm saying I don't think you're honoring God with your vote when you push abortion and transgenderism and perpetual poverty and government dependency with the vote that you've been given. Now, that's my rant. That's how I look at this. And I know that there are some people that are going to say that's too far. That's too you know controversial or whatever. Let's go around the table. Let's talk about this honestly. How do we handle Christians who vote Democrat? How serious of an issue should we look at this? And Roger, I'm going to start with you, Roger Marsh. Uh, look, you're a, you're a Christian. You're a conservative. You're pro-life. I know that you vote Republican. You don't vote Democrat. But you're also a pastor. You're also a shepherd to people in their spiritual growth. How do you handle this tough issue? You know, it's interesting to just kind of get to the heart of why people vote the way they do. I know a lot of people, uh, you know, it's a family thing. It's a generational thing. You know, I grew up in a Democrat family. We love John Kennedy. And so therefore, you know, that's the way we are. Not realizing that 62 years later, uh, the Democrat Party, John Kennedy couldn't get elected. He could he right. be a card carrying member of the Democrat Party right now because they've become so radicalized. One of the things we stress on the bottom line show is we talk about we have a lot of people because California is like this. We have 48 percent are registered Democrats, 24 percent 
are registered Republicans, and 24% have no party preference. I mean, that's one out of every four voters in the People's Republic of California will say, I vote my conscience, I vote the issues. And we stress this a lot. You know, say, you're going to talk policies over party. You're going to talk you know, principles over personalities even. I mean, you, whether you like the guy or the girl or not, uh, you look at what they stand for, how they vote. You know, basically, does the, does the walk match the talk? And I think when you start to dissect what the party platforms are and you start to look at the voting records of some of the people who are in there, you know, for those who, you know, of course, we we were very familiar with Kamala Harris, uh, you know, first as their attorney general and then as a senator. And then now, of course, she's a vice president. A lot of people know nothing about her. They don't realize what a radicalized uh, leftist she actually is. And a lot of people here on the left coast were saying, wow, why would they nominate her to be vice president because she's so radical and so extreme? Well, it was to kind of balance the party, quote, unquote, that way. But I know a lot of Christians, I mean, there are a lot of people in the Catholic Church, especially who say, look, the Democrats, it's John Kennedy. John Kennedy's a Catholic. I'm still Catholic. And they really don't pay attention to the fact that they'll say, I'm passionately pro-life, but I vote Democrat. I mean, I just, I, I don't understand that either. But I think it's one of the things where we have to come alongside and be more persuasive rather than, uh, you know, polemic in terms of the way we present the issue to people. And it's amazing how many people, when uh, I try to go out of my way on the bottom line show to mention the presidents by their number instead of their last name, because mm -hmm. when you talk about the administrations and what they've all done, I do get a couple of listeners every now and again to go, hey, man, you're confusing me. I don't know who President 43 was. I mean, what the heck? But not, it was, you know, you know who it was. But anyway, nonetheless, if you take a look at the policies and look at the way they act, it's kind of, I, I actually picked this up from guys like John Stewart and Howard Stern who would send people out in the street and they would take the Obama policies and say that they were George W. Bush's or, you know, whatever they were. And it was amazing the number of people who, once you mentioned the president's name, oh, yeah, I like that guy. So whatever they said was fine. And then when you found out that it was actually their opponent, then it's like, wait, what? I mean, I didn't know that. Helping people know what they need to know is a great resource, you know, to come alongside and persuade and always be prepared to give an answer with gentleness and respect to why I don't see any reason for a Christian to vote Democrat right now. But I try not to, you know, bludgeon people with the facts too hard. Okay, well, and we certainly need, we want to get uh, Neil and John in on this. And before we do, I just want to remind everybody, you heard me mention Preborn earlier. If you donated, uh, if you went ahead and gave that $280 to save 10 babies' lives, that's fantastic. Thank you. If you have not yet, we're asking you to do that now. Okay, remember, $280 will stop 10 abortions. It's $28 on average to stop one abortion. And it's done by ultrasound images. It costs money to show these women ultrasound images of their babies. But statistically, 83% of the time when a woman sees an ultrasound image of her baby, she opts out of the abortion and she chooses life. 83% of the time. Those are the latest numbers from Preborn. And this is what Preborn does, folks. They're the ones who show ultrasound images of these babies to the moms. You know, Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion provider in America. Their number one competition is preborn, because preborn is the one who's stopping the abortions from happening, but it takes money to do that. It's our money, folks. So I'm asking all of you in the audience right now $280, 10 babies' lives, $2,800, 100 babies' lives. How many babies' lives will you save? What's the legacy going to be for your family or for your business? Here's how easy this is to do. Go online right now to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on the Preborn tab. 
and you can right there online $280 and you know you're responsible for saving 10 babies lives would you make that decision and like I say if you could do more than that do more than that if you want to do this over the phone you can call right now 833-850-BABY that's 833-850-BABY they answer the phones 24 hours a day seven days a week Preborn is ready for your call right now so please give them a call 833-850-BABY and a hundred percent of your money goes directly to fund ultrasounds okay and saving babies lives not one penny for overhead this is preborn folks so uh crawfordmediagroup.net click on the preborn tab talking about the midterm elections coming up christians voting democrat how do we handle this all right neil let me ask you you're also a pastor along with roger uh, and and i understand that you know we, we want to we want to be gentle with people and certainly as a pastor you have a pastor's heart and and you want to guide people along and you don't want to bludgeon them i get that uh but it just it seems to me and i'm not a pastor so i get it but it just seems to me if we're willing to call people to repentance for spending their dollars or their time or their entertainment or whatever in in uh God dishonoring ways in unbiblical ways if people are using the resources they have to cause harm to other people we have no problem as a brother or sister in Christ saying you're wrong for doing that stop doing that and basically calling them to repentance but then we get all squirrely when it comes to the vote that people have well, I would argue Christians are using their vote to cause harm to other people not the least of which is the death of unborn children and Christians are using their vote for that. I think they ought to be called out in a loving way. But I, I, Neil, I'd love to get your take on this as a pastor. How do we? I'm probably harsher than I should be on this. But how do you look at this in Christians voting Democrat? Well, given the fact that you know our speech is to be seasoned with salt, I would emphasize what you just said. Call them out in a loving way. I, you know, I don't know how we we. Sh- could or even should we shouldn't separate ourselves from who we really are we're believers and ultimately we're citizens of the kingdom of god first and foremost and the united states of america secondly so i think how we conduct ourselves matters in a big way calling people out um calling them to repentance i think it is part of what we need to do as believers there's a prophetic aspect to that i mean the john the baptist you know repent um uh, the, the Old Testament was filled with prophets who called people to repentance. And I believe that as Christians, we need to do that from time to time. But I'm never comfortable with the idea of saying always and forever. What I mean is, um, generally speaking, if you say, look, how can you support the democratic agenda? I mean, just I would challenge anybody who has a problem with what Bob or anyone here is saying to go read the Democratic Party platform and see what's in there. Then look at the policies they've been pushing. Find out what the squad has been saying for the last two years. What what kind of America do they really want to have? What do they want to do to churches? What do they want to do to women and babies? You know, really start digging and find out what this agenda is all about. But the reason I say, like, not always or forever is because, I mean, I'm just off the top of my head, I'm thinking of Bob Casey, who was a pro-life Democratic governor in in uh, in Pennsylvania. Uh, outspoken advocate for life. You know, the Bob Casey's of the world are few and far between, but if it came down, if you were living in Pennsylvania at the time, and I don't remember who he was running against at any point, I'm using it as an example, but if he happened to be running against 
somebody who was a rhino Republican, wasn't really interested in the life issue, was soft on other issues like, you know, border border issues weren't a big deal back then, but, you know, or, or they didn't want to have a strong military. They believed in raising taxes. I mean, like, so they weren't really a Republican at all running against a guy who's a pro-life Democrat. Then I'd say vote Bob Casey. So, uh, you know, Joe Manchin in West Virginia, who's he running against next time? I don't know. But the bottom line is um, he's been somewhat favorable simply because he's not always voting Democrat. He's not always cooperating with what the Democrats do. Does that mean I'm endorsing him? No. I'm just saying I think we need to very thoughtfully pursue these issues, get before the Holy Spirit and God, and do the right thing. And James 4.17 says, for him that knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. So I think all of us going to the polls need to get before the Holy Spirit and say, God, would you show me what your desire is? And I think in, in most cases, if you're a Bible-believing Christian, like 99.9% of the cases, you're going to land on the, the very thing that we're talking about here. How in the world could you vote Democrat if you have a better choice? So that's yeah. where I'm at. John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Uh, your thoughts on Christians voting uh, Democrat? I I, I cannot wrap my brain around no, this, how a Christian can, can no. justify that in their mind. And I appreciate everything, Neil, you just said, and Roger as well. Um, although, Neil, I will tell you that to me, it's not that complicated. And I believe in the power of prayer and the Holy Spirit and the guidance of, but to me, this is a pretty black and white situation. If there's an R next to the name, it's the one you vote for because it's the best chance we have to advance liberty and keep the republic that we have. I don't even care what the differences are between one candidate versus the other. In, in this day and age, it's really easy. The R's, in most cases, and I know there's some wishy-washy ones and there's some rhinos out there, but even the rhinos, when it comes down to some of the issues we talk about here on a weekly basis, I can at least have a conversation with them to convince them to vote the way they're supposed to, where the fellow with the, or the lady with the D next to their name, there's not a snowball's chance of getting them to change their vote on key issues. They are going to vote D all of the time, and I cannot for the life of me understand why a Christian would, would, would vote with a D next to it. I just don't understand it at all. Makes no I sense. Don't, I don't get it either. And by the way, even if it were just on the abortion issue and we're not one issue voters however there are some issues that ought to be big enough that they have veto power over everything else if, yes. if you had a candidate who was perfect in everything perfect in a republican candidate and and he he was pro-life he said everything was perfect in every position except for one and that one position was well he was a member of the kkk and he donated to the kkk on a regular basis and he spoke at their rallies that's it that's a veto issue i cannot in all conscience give my vote to that person i don't care who they are because well, some well, issues i'll give you a better enough. example we, we have an example okay, we, got, we got 30 seconds to the break too so you know, it's, gonna, it's gonna take longer go ahead go to the break first okay let's do let's do that let's because we're coming up on the bottom of the hour and i want to get your example of that uh as well it's an important point but there are certain things if you're a brother or sister in christ you have to ask yourself how can i use my vote in a way that's going to further abortion and that doesn't even deal with all of the other issues that we're going to be talking about in the second half of this podcast all of the other issues as well that we need to be paying attention to as christians so we invite you listen to the second half of this national crawford roundtable podcast uh, if you're listening to us on your regular radio station well the second half may play right now on your regular radio station but it may also play at a different time on your radio station so 
if suddenly it's not there, go to the website of your local radio station and uh, look at the program guide and see where the second half plays and you can listen to it there. Or you can listen online by going to CrawfordMediaGroup.net or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to watch video of us, you can do that at MyHopeNow.com. We're going to continue the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast coming up next. This has been a Crawford Media Group production. Continuing the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with myself, Bob Duco, out of Detroit, John Rush, Rush to Reason, out of Denver, Colorado, Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live, out of Buffalo, New York, Roger Marsh at the bottom line from the People's Republic of California. Uh, we're talking about the midterm elections and Christians voting Democrat. And so, uh, John, the point that I was making, and I want to get you to chime in on this uh, before the break, is uh, how, how can Christians vote Democrat, even if you just only on the issue of abortion, that ought to be automatic veto power, let alone when we start factoring in the other stuff like the transgenderism push on our children, gender mutilation surgery that's being pushed by the Democrats on them, religious freedom being denied, perpetual poverty and government dependency, and just so many things, lawlessness, anti-police, I mean, go on down the line. Mm -hmm. But uh, you wanted to give an example. Well, so here in Colorado, we have have an example that's a little opposite of what you're talking about. We've got a senator here, Michael Bennett, he's been a Democrat senator for quite some time now. He is lock, stock, and barrel a Democrat. Whatever they want, he votes for. He is the most spineless senator that there probably is in all 50 states, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that. He tried to run for president. Some of you saw him in some of the primary debates and so on. The guy is absolutely awful, and why we still have him here in Colorado is beyond me. So we've got a businessman. I don't know him personally, but you know our companies have done some business over the years, and, and his name is Joe O'Day, and Joe is running for the Senate seat against Michael Bennett. He petitioned on because the establishment here in the right, far right-wing establishment here in Colorado, there's no way they were going to get him on in the assembly process. So he petitioned on, won the primary. Joe's a guy that is a business guy, but he believes that it's okay to have a first-term Abortion. He's talked about that. He's ran on that. And frankly, here in Colorado, I'm not sure that you could win against Michael Bennett by being anything different than that. Do I agree with Joe? Absolutely not. I am 100% in opposition of what Joe believes. But I will tell you this, on every other issue that's out there, Joe and I are fairly aligned. I mean, there's a few fiscal things that he and I maybe not not quite aligned on, but in, in general, everything else, and he's even said openly, he would have voted for every one of Trump's nominees on the Supreme Court, which, of course, the left is blasting him for. So here's a situation where we've got a guy running that believes in first-term abortions, but is still a far better candidate for advancing liberty and handling the things that we need done in this country than the current senator that's sitting. But because of some of those beliefs, we've got some hardcore righties here that will not vote for Jay. They're pushing the libertarian candidate. They're screwing up the election. There's no way, in my opinion, Joe's going to get elected knowing now what these individuals have done. And we're going to have Michael Bennett, again, another weak, soft noodle of a senator that'll be the, you know, the senator for Colorado for the next six years it'll vote with whatever the d's want from this point forward because we can't get behind a guy that has some differences in that one issue all right now john i gotta tell you i agree with you on this even though i know i would catch some heat for that certainly from the purists who say we have no choice is is the problem right because the alternative that's right right. what's the alternative a guy that's a guy that'll allow late-term abortion so take your pick folks Look, I'm with you. This is very binary, and this is something a lot of people don't get. It's very. It's going to be one 
or the other. If I, I, I look at it, yeah, because like the Libertarian okay. Bob has doesn't have a chance of winning. It's not right. going to happen ever. Ever. I know, and I and I get that, and so that's the reason why it really is. If I can use the cliche, choosing the lesser of two evils. If I only have two evils to choose from, then to me it dishonors God to allow the greater of the two evils to be victorious. Uh, I have to mitigate the evil. If that's the best that I'm able to do, I'll mitigate the evil. Uh, and I, the example I use is an ectopic pregnancy, okay? If a woman has a fertilized egg stuck in her fallopian tubes, she is going to die if right. that's not removed. Right. She will die. And so what are the chances of the baby surviving? Zero. That's done. So I only have one or two options. Either they both die or the fertilized egg dies. Those are the only, there is not a third option. Right. So I have to choose between those two. Uh, and in that case, I'm going to say remove the ectopic pregnancy. Yeah, it's, mo it's mom's life. That's, okay. that's an easy and, one. And in the same way, if I have to choose between somebody who supports abortions in the first trimester and somebody who supports abortions through all nine months, and it's binary and that it is going to be one of those two no matter what, then if I throw my vote to a third-party candidate as a matter of principle, I have now used my vote mathematically to put the greater of the two evils in office. That's right. And that's what I can't stand for your vote God didn't and count. justify. I, look, I get Actually, it. Actually, Bob, I'm going to go one step further. Your vote counted as a vote for Michael Bennett. Yeah, it does. It actually does mathematically because it, because now your vote would have been a vote for the lesser of the two evils, but because that vote didn't go there, this is one unbalanced vote for the greater of the two evils, right. and therefore that mathematically becomes one extra vote for that person. And to me, I, you know, I had a listener say to me one time, you know, about a, you know, the third party debate or whatever. It's like, Bob, will your conscience allow you to stand before God and say that you voted for the lesser of the two evils? And I said, yes, it will. Will your conscience allow you to stand before God and say, I used my vote to help the greater of the two evils get in? So yeah, I, I look at those I, votes I as like the, the, the story of the talents where the the one individual buries his talent. To me, that's right. what these folks are doing with their vote. And that one, and by the way, that servant was scolded the most. Can right. I, I got to jump true. in. I just got to say, Neil, please. I, yeah, I appreciate what you guys are saying. For the most part, I agree. I see the point you're trying to make. But you know, let's just remember we're we're believers. We love Jesus. We love God. And and he has things in mind that we can't see or really actually even know at times. So it's why I think we ought to be praying, because what happens if uh, three days prior to an election, somebody like a Hillary Clinton, when she was running for president, gets saved and nobody knows it. And then when she's going to become president, she's going to actually flip things around, say, you know what, I supported all the wrong things. You can, We can't know that, which is why I think we really earnestly need to be in prayer. Now you might say, well, that's preposterous. Well, do we serve the God of the impossible or what? So I just think... We're looking at this in a, in a logical way, but also but, but, a very but, but temporal Neil, way. And, I, and I, I get everything you're saying, but past performance is almost always an indicator of future behavior, even on social issues after someone becomes well, a Christian. Yeah. Yes, there can be an abrupt change, although tell me how many times in history politically that's happened. Well, and we have to make okay. our decision based on the information we have at hand, too. Currently. Uh, sure, but but when you're, when you're on your knees before God, if God suddenly in some bizarre way, seriously impresses you to vote for a candidate you wouldn't normally vote for. Are we to trust what we're hearing in prayer before the Lord our God on our knees, or what Bob Duco and John Rush say on the National Crawford Roundtable? 
Okay. I mean, in all fairness, okay, if God told any one of us to jump out of a plane without a parachute, I think we would do it. Okay. If God clearly unambiguously tells us to do something, we're going to do it. The question is, do we have any real reason to believe that God, that the Holy Spirit would inf would, would tell us, would instruct us, I want you to use your vote in a way to push forward that pro-abortion candidate. Look, you got people out there that claim, uh, I committed that murder because God told me to do it. I heard voices. God told me to go murder those five kids. Okay. Well, we know that they didn't. Uh, are there times where God will do something that seems strange for a greater purpose? Okay. I'm sure Abraham had to be going, what, seriously, God, this is really you telling me to kill Isaac? I need about 19 confirmations for this. Okay. So I understand that God will have his purposes, but respectfully, that argument could be applied to, well, I'm going to go ahead and vote for well, Hitler because how do we know he won't get saved right before? Yeah, I, I mean, I, we have to make our decision based on the wisdom of the information we have at hand, barring God giving us some very clear, unambiguous parting of the Red Sea information that tells us this is what you're to do anyway. I did a talk show prior to the Clinton-Trump, you know, uh, what was it, 2016, and I asked the question, what if what if God would use a, a Clinton presidency to call the church back to repentance? What if we actually made Jesus our first love again, cared about going to church, cared about praying and actually reading our Bibles, cared about giving more than, than receiving, you know, it, and we became more like the church in a third world country as opposed to the church in, in fluffy North America. What if God used that to bring us back to repentance in a great revival and you know, uh, evangelistic awakening happened as a result of the kind of persecution we would have been under, you know, metaphorically. Uh, I don't know. I don't, uh, but, but I do trust God. And I just, I don't, I'm not in favor of saying, well, I mean, John, you used the phrase, I'm not picking on you, bro, but you know, you said, well, a person's past performance is almost always an indicator of how they're going to vote in the future. Well, that's a qualified statement. And I'm just saying God works within those kind of qualified statements to accomplish his plan and purpose if we're willing to cooperate. So generally speaking, I can't believe that any evangelical Christian who loves the Lord and who understands the word of God would find anything worth voting for in the Democratic Party platform. However, depending on who they're running against, depending on the situation, I want to hear from God on that before I go to the polls, not just accept what we're saying here on the roundtable, although I think it's a great conversation. Well, and I will say this regarding Bill Clinton, God is the ultimate in making lemonade out of lemons. And so uh, God can take something that was evil and he can use it in his way for good. But the question becomes, am I, do I have any reason to believe that God would actually call us to do something to promote and support evil because he's got a, a, an ultimate purpose on the back side of that. To me, it would have to be really, I'd need about 19 confirmations uh, from people as well to make sure that that's really from okay. God. Because uh, it, it, it just, it, I, I guess I just struggle with the idea of God calling people to do something directly that would be evil. Because again, you could make that very same argument about just about anything. Well, God called me to go ahead and uh, and to you know, release that rapist or to whatever because, or, or to go ahead and kill that person because God knew in his purposes that person 10 years from now was going to rape and murder three children. And so, I mean, could God, but I mean, he could possibly, but he tends to let us make our own decisions with Israel. Uh, you know, he wanted them to have judges. Israel wanted a king. God was like, okay, fine. You know, I'll let you do it and you'll suffer the consequences accordingly. And God will still bring it around for his purposes and glory. But his M.O. tends to be, I'm going to allow you to make the decisions that you choose to make, make decisions that honor me.
Yeah. Well, um, again, I, I just think it needs to be a qualified statement. I don't think it can be a conclusive statement. Otherwise, we're saying that we know more than God does about what comes in the future. And by the way, just reality check. You know, Ron DeSantis, conservative, makes a lot of good, you know, choices in Florida, things that we support in the Republican Party. If he doesn't know Jesus, he's an enemy of God. The Bible says you're either in or you're out. Jesus said you're for me or you're against me. You know, Romans 5.10, Christ died for us while we were enemies of God. So, you know, even the best Republican with the most conservative values who doesn't know the Lord is an enemy of God. Let's keep that in mind. So who knows what God's ultimately up to? And I pray for the conversion of all of the above, bottom line. And, and you know what? And God may use ungodly people that are enemies of him for his purposes, like uh, the Persian King Cyrus and others. So yep. there are times sure. where God may do that. But what, what, we're gonna, what I'm going to base my vote on are what are the policies that that person is going to enact? Are they policies that honor God and love my neighbor? Or are they policies that dishonor God and harm my neighbor? And it seems to me that's a responsibility I have as a Christian, as an American, with my vote. But uh, look, I, I get what you're saying, Neil, I do. And I think that's one of the really healthy things about this is that as brothers in Christ, let's throw in all of these different aspects of this to look at because there are many different uh, branches on this tree to discuss and we need to. I want to get Roger Marsh in here uh, in just a moment, our other resident pastor, along with... Uh, Neil, and get your thoughts on this, Roger. How do we figure stuff like this out? Before we do, though, one thing that I know that we all agree on is we need to stop abortions from happening, everybody. Okay, even with Roe v. Wade overturned, you do realize women are still getting pregnant. They're still going to Planned Parenthood. They're still getting abortions. And so what's the best way to get a woman to choose life, to change her mind about that abortion? The best way is to show her a picture of her baby, an ultrasound image of her baby. That's what Preborn does, everybody. Preborn provides ultrasound images of babies to expectant moms all over the country in pro-life pregnancy centers all across America. That's what they do. And when women see the very first picture of their child, they choose life almost all the time, almost all the time. So we gotta get these ultrasound images in front of the mom's eyes. but. It takes money to do that, folks. $28 is the cost of saving one baby's life. That's why you hear us asking every day. $280 will stop 10 abortions. Will you do that right now? Give $280 to preborn to stop 10 abortions from happening. All you have to do is go online to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. That's CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on the preborn tab. And right there, you can give your $280. If you could do more than that, do more. We'd love you to do $2,800 and save 100 babies' lives. If you can afford it, do $15,000 and buy an ultrasound machine. And that will stop thousands of abortions. Be a great tax write-off for you or your business, too. But for everybody else, 280, 10 babies' lives, what do you say? CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the preborn tab, or... You can give your 280 right over the phone by calling 833-850-BABY, and they answer the phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just mention National Crawford Roundtable, 833-850-BABY. Let's everybody get involved now to stop these abortions through pre-born. Uh, talking on the National Crawford Roundtable about how Christians uh, should be viewed and treated and talked to if they tend to vote Democrat. And Roger, I want to get your your take on this here. You heard the kind of back and forth that uh, the Neil and I 
had. And, you know, my feeling is this. Anytime anyone disagrees with me, well, I'm right and the world is wrong. Uh, so you know that. So, uh, and so there's Neil being part of the world. No, I'm just saying. Uh, but to, Roger, your take on kind of the back and forth that we're having here. I I know I, I'm probably more aligned with, with uh, John in this case, but it just, it, it seems to me it is very cut and dry in the here and now we need to cast our vote in a way that honors God based on the information that we have, exercising the best wisdom that we have. If God steps in and unambiguously through his Holy Spirit reveals some kind of an Abraham to Isaac kind of thing, okay, fine. If I really truly know that it's from God, I'll go against the grain of what seems to make sense. But barring that, uh, it, it seems like Christians have no business casting a vote for a candidate with a D after their name, not for what the, what the Democratic Party stands for today. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I, I'm hearing, you know, and I'm having this great pass the popcorn thing while you guys are having your dialogue. It's been fun to listen to. <laughs> but, you know, the, the reality is I think there's a lot of truth on both sides of the conversation. The question is how do we line it up? I mean, when we're making our voting decisions, first and foremost, the best decision we can make, what do they say in business? The best deal you can make is the deal when you need to make it in that moment. And so when right. we've got our ballots and we're getting ready to, you know, mark the, you know, whatever box we're going to mark, we're going to make the decision based on prayer. We're going to make the decision based on good counsel from godly friends. Hopefully, you know, we follow that category for our listeners. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to, you know, we're going to pray that God's going to bless, you know, that vote in terms of what's going to happen. We know we live in a sinful fallen world, so there are no perfect candidates. So a guy like Ron DeSantis is a perfect example. If someone that people would rally around Donald Trump, that type of thing, where a lot of Christians said, yeah, these guys are reflecting our values as Americans, but they're not necessarily always reflecting our values as Christians. And so we have to make sure that we can parse out the two, the difference between this is a political vote as opposed to this is the eternal spiritual salvation vote. I also think it's really important, though, the, the point that Neil brought up to say, hey, wait a minute, sometimes we can get so blocked in and so jaded in our opinions and our thoughts and our belief system that we would look at a, a, a candidate like a Hillary Clinton, for example, and say, hey, she's never going to come around. I mean, that she's never going to reflect our values. And I do believe at some point God takes his hand off and says, this is what you chose. That's what you're going to get in terms of, you know, people and their life decisions. But we always need to maintain that expectation of hope that God's going to do something miraculous. You know, I mean, I, 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 we can't get out. We can't become so jaded and to say, OK, well, if you're a voting Democrat, you're always just basically going to hell. I mean, I, I, w I don't wish that on anyone. At the same time, you can see by people's actions, you know, this is the way it's going to go. But please, Holy Spirit, you know, transform hearts and minds and understand, too. I mean, as we've all seen, I think it, we're all about the same age. So we've seen some decent presidencies and some lousy presidencies. But we've also seen, first and foremost, as we've gotten older, what we're looking for from elected officials now is a lot different. I don't necessarily right. expect somebody to get it all right. But what I expect you know, to see is what is God doing through this election, through this uh, the nomination process of the judicial branch or whatever it is, to, to help us and help refine his church to make us who he wants us to be. Because first and foremost, that's really our ultimate the, the desire is to we want to be the church that God wants us to be and so we know too that there are churches that are thriving in areas where Christianity is being horribly oppressed and so I mean quite frankly if God does some of his best work that way then maybe we should be praying for less comfort maybe we should be praying for more oppressive leadership to make the church more the church I think we've gone through that you know practically uh, even just in the past couple of years with the current administration and I don't wish that on anyone I mean I'm certainly not praying say God make it more difficult for us as Christians 
But the prayer has to be, first and foremost, God, I'm trusting you that I want to cast this vote in a way that honors you with the expectation that at some point, uh, even our worst enemy on the political side could become part of the family of God. Right. Absolutely. And uh, John, before I get you in on this, uh, I, I just want to ask one last time, everybody, uh, if you didn't donate to Preborn yet, you can go ahead and do that right now. $280 saves 10 babies' lives. Call right now, 833-850-BABY. Also go online, CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on the Preborn tab. I do want you to know that you're also bringing people to Christ. You're bringing women to Christ when you save these babies' lives. It's not just stopping the abortions, okay? Uh, these women are accepting Jesus. Last year alone, 7,986 women made first-time decisions for Jesus Christ through preborn. And yes, along the way, there were just under 44,000 babies' lives saved. And they're on pace to do a whole lot more than that through 2022. So $280 saves 10 babies' lives. It's that simple, folks. CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the preborn tab, and 100% of what you give goes right to funding ultrasounds, not a dime for overhead, okay? Uh, as we kind of wind down this National Crawford Roundtable podcast, talking about Christians voting Democrat coming up with these midterms. So, uh, John, I want to get your take on, you've heard kind of the back and forth between me and Neil, and then Roger's comments on this. And look, Neil is right. We could vote for Hillary Clinton, and then she could end up getting saved three days later. That is possible. But I got to say, look, I would never want any of my kids to do missionary dating. I don't want to engage in missionary voting. Uh, th there is that sense of yes, this could happen in the future, and I think we're all in. And you know what? If it did, then she can run around. The, she can run the next time as a conservative Christian Republican. Absolutely, More power absolutely. To her. You know what? So, so I look. I, I, all of us are in agreement. If God clearly, unambiguously told us to do something that seemed contrary to his word, uh, we'd need more uh, confirmation than normal, I think, for something like that. But sometimes God has his greater purposes, but his M.O. is typically not to operate that way. His M.O. is typically to, you've got my word as a guide. Uh, I want you to be consistent with my word and uh, seek wise counsel and exercise wisdom and use your resources, whatever they may be, in ways that honor me and love your neighbor. And I just, I cannot put two and two together and make voting Democrat fit. No, and I think the other reminder, and I, I'm a big one on this, I keep talking about this because I think for years we've, we've had this backwards, and I think even sometimes our clergy is the ones that have contributed to us having this backwards. I'm hiring an employee. All of our politicians in this country, from dog catcher up to president, work for me. I'm right. the leader. I'm not electing a leader. I'm the leader. They work for me, not the other way around. And somehow we've got to get that back into the hearts and minds of individuals so they know how this works. These people work for us, and if they don't do their job, vote them out and put the next guy in. Yeah. So let me ask you in our last, uh, last few minutes here, we'll go around the table real quick. What are the winning issues, losing issues that uh, Republicans should be focusing on in this this last two, three week stretch? Energy. Energy? Energy. Crime. Has to, energy and crime are probably the two biggies, guys. And energy, because it's affecting every single area of everybody's life. Rich, poor, young, old, doesn't matter. And back to your point, Bob, how as a Christian you could vote for anybody that's trying to take money out of the pocket of the poor and hurt those who are disenfranchised? I have no idea. But that's what this party does. Yeah, that's I'd like right. to and add. You know what? Well, yeah, go ahead, Roger. Add, 
part of the energy part is also inflation, you know, with the cost yep. and things like that. Yep. And I just give an example of how political it's become and how the parties play the consumers. Uh, here in the People's Republic of California, there are two seasons when it comes to oil production. There's the winter season and the summer season. And from November 1st through February 28th, there's a different grade of gasoline that can be sold. And the reason it's different is because it doesn't have to be as environmentally friendly. I'm not quite sure what the reason is. It was some political handoff that happened years ago. But quite frankly, fuel prices go down on November 1st because it doesn't cost as much to refine. Well, when fuel prices have been going up because of corporate greed or whatever you want to call it and, you know, increased taxes, at one point, California's average price was literally double the nation's average, which was around three or so, and we were up around seven. Gavin Newsom announced that he said, well, I'm going to let the winter gas out now. I mean, because that'll lower prices. And it did. Within three days, gas prices were down a dollar a gallon. That Somebody has their finger on the scale with regard to the economy and inflation and energy and all that stuff. And I think American voters are looking to this right now and saying, hey, we got to get that guy's hand to tie it behind his back, whoever's putting this finger on the scale and trying to slide it one way or the other. Because when the market works the way the market works well, these things have a tendency to work themselves out. But the rapid inflation, the fuel, the energy shortages, things like that, all seem like they're being manipulated by someone behind the scenes. And we're just tired of the, the manipulation. Yeah. And you know what? And it, it is hurting the poor. The, the end result in this is the poor get hurt more than anybody else because they're the ones that can't absorb dramatically higher heating bills this winter. They're the ones that can't absorb having to pay so much more to fill their tank. They can't, they're the ones that can't absorb the inflation that comes from all of this as well. And, the elderly, uh, too. I mean, it's, oh, it's, I, I know. Yeah, and, you know I just saw, yeah, and I sure. just saw a poll, by the way. we got Thanksgiving coming up. One out of four, one out of four Americans say they're canceling Thanksgiving this year yeah. because they can't afford Thanksgiving dinner. One yeah. out of four. That is insane. Uh, Thanksgiving, by the way, turkeys are up 37% over last year. We're not talking about 37% above when Joe Biden took office. We're talking about 37% up 12 months ago, mm -hmm. okay, six months after Joe Biden took office. So it is uh, it is insane. Neil, what do you think in our last uh, couple of minutes here, what are the winners and losers that the Republicans ought to focus on versus avoid? Well, the only reason I think they should focus on some of those economic things rather than some of the social issues, pro-family policy, that kind of stuff, is because this is exactly what Americans are mostly concerned about right now. And if you get, uh, if you elect people that believe in your right to make quality decisions about the future of your own family, as opposed to saying that our government's going to provide for all your needs, the federal government's going to take care of you, as they did during the pandemic, you know, just hand out checks to people. Everyone who has a brain in their head knows that's why we're experiencing inflation at this kind of a rate. Um, energy policy plays into that, the whole thing. I think what people really need to do is ultimately get back to a government that's for the people and by the people and that includes the decisions of the people rather than a dictatorial kind of socialist right. thing. So that's why I say uh, focus on the things that people really care about right now, and that certainly has to do with everything to do with their pocketbook. Right, so true. Well, I'll tell you what, it's where, oh, where does the time go? Uh, we always appreciate you folks listening to the National Crawford Roundtable. And next week, unless anything major happens politically, uh, next week we're probably going to talk about Halloween and uh, how Christians should process the issue of Halloween. Should they engage in it or not? Uh, how, how do we take a proper look at that? Certainly the week after that, right before the election, we're going to dive right back into the midterm elections. We may have some midterm election discussion next week. 
but some Halloween discussion is uh, mixed into it as well. So we always appreciate you folks listening to Bob, us. You quick can question. To, yes, go ahead. Uh, next week, are we going to do the show in costume? I'm just curious. <laughs> uh, so. th- hey, you know what? Look at our faces, every single one of us. <laughs> yeah, faces for radio. That's it. Here's what I'm going to do. Okay. I'm just going to take a rubber band and run it from ear to ear around the back of my head and go as Brad Pitt. So, okay. see you. <laughs> oh. all right, uh, wah, folks, wah, wah. Wah, wah. you know, no dad joke is too lame. Go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. You can listen to previous episodes, folks, or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, tune in, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. Watch video of these podcasts at MyHopeNow.com. And John, Roger, Neil, myself, Bob Duco, guys, great catching up with you. Thanks a lot. Looking forward to next week. You too. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, guys. Thanks. All right, we'll see you. Thanks for listening, everybody. God bless. You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of today's culture through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to save babies now. You can download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more from your local Crawford Media Group station or at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And you can watch video of the podcast at MyHopeNow.com. Please give this podcast a five-star rating on your Apple app and look for the notification on your app for when the next weekly edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is ready for you to download. This has been a Crawford Media Group production.